today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. What happens when hospitals are, are becoming overcrowded because of the number of new patients with COVID-19? What happens to diagnosis? What happens to tests that need to be done? What happens to a number of other things that go on on a daily basis in the medical world? Well, in the months since the pandemic hit, many parts of normal life have come to a stop in the uh, the medical world. Uh, while so much has been on hold or locked down to keep people safe and the healthcare system is functioning, oncologists are fearful now that that pause is actually contributing to another potential crisis. Joining us to talk about this is Dr. Ralph Meyer. Uh, Dr. Meyer is Vice President of Oncology and Palliative Care with Hamilton Health Sciences and Regional Vice President of Cancer Care Ontario and a professor in the Department of Oncology at McMaster University in Hamilton. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. I'm glad you could join us today. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity. One of your uh, fellow doctors, uh, I think, described this a couple of weeks ago as a a potential tsunami of new cancer cases. Explain exactly what that means. So it is a concern, Bill. I'm not sure I'd describe it as a tsunami, but but it is a concern. If um, if you look at uh, the processes by which um, people uh, are diagnosed with cancer, uh, there's various um, various routes for that. One is through cancer screening, and the mm-hmm. cancers we screen for are breast cancer with uh, mammography, colon cancer with the poop test, and cervical cancer with Pap smears. And those screening services uh, were really uh, shut down to less than 10% of normal uh, through last April, May into June. We've then gradually increased those so that uh, for the um, mammography and poop tests, we're probably up to about 75 to 85% through October and November, uh, thus still below normal and accumulating to a backlog, although not at the same rate, uh, pap smears didn't increase by as much, went up to about 50%. So for those screening cancers, this cancer is detected by screening in particular, there are real concerns, and, and we can see that reflected in the number of, of new patients diagnosed with those cancers. For other cancers where we don't screen, the, the reasons behind them are a bit different, and I think it's a combination of um, patients and, and members of the community having concerns about um, accessing health care um, in, in terms of all that's going on and the risks of COVID, and then the ability to access services between primary care and hospital and, and what's offered. So there are concerns about that as well. The latter part, while very important, we've been a little more spared that risk through um, uh, the Hamilton-Niagara-Brant region, uh, at least through the first six months of the pandemic, as compared with some other parts of the province that were harder hit. Obviously, we're concerned about what's ahead of us over these next uh, two to four months. Why uh, why the numbers are better in the Hamilton area? And we should also mention, by the way, that uh, uh, especially when it comes to cancer care, Jurovinsky Hospital, of course, uh, in Hamilton Mountain, uh, that this is a what they call a catchment center. I mean, people from other areas come in here for cancer treatments as well, uh, from Niagara, as you mentioned, and some other places. So, I mean, the numbers on an annual basis are, are rather high because of all the new patients that are coming in here. But if we, is it because we had a game plan ready to go here, or was it just that the numbers dwindled? I think um, for the for the months of, of March to July, 
Um, the big um, uh, aspect for our areas compared with other, some other parts of the province were um, the, um, the degree to which COVID affected us then. Clearly, it was a very serious issue, but uh, compared with the Toronto area, Mississauga, north of Toronto, uh, east of Toronto, we were somewhat spared and there were particular um, emphasis put on maintaining cancer surgery. So we fell behind, in a sense, to a lesser degree uh, because the hospitals through that period uh, were, were somewhat less understressed by COVID. What we did see, as was apparent th- across the whole province, was uh, deliberately for safety of members of the community, a ramping down of uh, cancer screening services. And as as we moved from implementing that uh, shutdown through March, April, really into June, July, the extent of that backlog and then a reduction in cancer uh, cases detected, cancer surgeries, uh, radiation and and, uh, chemotherapy treatments for those cancers that are detected by screening, those data really started to become apparent through June and July and and have uh, have, uh, progressed since that time. And so um, it is a concern about uh, delayed diagnoses that, that may be occurring. Yeah, because I know that, uh, well, I guess the, 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 the takeaway here is the numbers don't always tell the story. When those rates went down, I mean, some people may have looked at that and said, aha, cancer, the, the rate of cancer is going down. That's great news. Uh, but there's a story behind that. I mean, I, I've heard anecdotally anyway, doctor, and maybe you have from some of your staff as well, that uh, there's an awful lot of people that might have had concerns about that, uh, about perhaps, you know, a diagnosis or maybe, hey, I, I'm feeling such and such a way. I'm showing symptoms of this. But they were afraid to go to a hospital. For you know, I said I, I'm going to catch COVID if I go to the hospital. I, I, I know that's it's a, 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 a an attitude that was shared by some people right now, uh, and of course a lot of family physicians thought, well, you know, don't come in unless absolutely necessary. And we have, a, a, I guess, a propensity sometimes to downplay symptoms in in our medical conditions, especially men. I, I guess I, I find, especially when it comes to cancer diagnosis and cancer testing. So I, 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 there's a lot to what you're saying, Bill, and I think you know if we if we look back through the different phases we've been through in in Ontario, the, the concerns through March April um, really reflected what had been observed in Italy, what was observed in New York City, and the steps taken to keep the population safe, and and the degree of lockdowns that the province went through. Uh, and, you know, you might recall the language of flattening the curve and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, those strategies really worked. They, they did flatten the curve, and, and we did well as a province compared to some aspects uh, across the world in, in terms of uh, managing through that phase with COVID. As we got into June, July, and the curve had somewhat been flattened and we were in, compared to where we are now, a relative safer period of of the summer months, um, the cancer screening services did ramp up and and we were we didn't get back to normal, but it was clearly improved over where we were in the spring. We're now entering into another phase where uh, we're trying to be more selective than we were 
back in March and April. But there is a need, given where we are with COVID, to again balance the risks and benefits of, of one issue versus another. And with the threats we're facing with COVID now, we are being forced to reduce some of these services, like uh, some of the uh, cancer screening services that we have. We're trying to do it in a more targeted way, and, and people that get screened that might be at higher risk for cancer, maintaining the screening for, for those people and, and where people are at lower risk and perhaps deferring for three, six, eight months uh, poses less risk, uh, uh, trying to implement that. One of the concerns with all of this, if we sort of map all of this out to the end of next year, the end of December 2021, and hopefully we have herd immunity there and, and vaccination has been effective and the mutation aspects don't, don't derail us. But if, if you look at where we now sort of model we're going to be um, a year from now, is, is we'll have uh, a backlog for our cancer screening that's probably going to be in the range of six to seven months worth of, of um, members of the community behind in cancer screening. And if you look across our, our Hamilton, Niagara, Brant region, um, you know, you take uh, mammography uh, as, as an example, uh, we would do about 75,000 mammograms a year for cancer screening. It's over 6,000 a month. And so a five to six month delay is uh, about 30,000 people. So when you have such a big population and such really, I think, high quality screening services, when you shut those down, uh, the, the backlog of the number of people affected by that accumulates quite quickly. So if you have that backlog, doctor, how do you work your way through that? How do you prioritize family history? I mean, how, how do you decide who, who goes first and, and who, who can wait safely? Well, it's a great question, Bill. And, and, and for, for mammography for cancer screening, the, um, uh, the, you mentioned family history. Uh, women with a family history actually fall into the highest risk group, and there are specific processes we have for high-risk breast cancer screening, a different pathway that includes a screening in, in younger women, uh, may include genetic testing, may include MR, MRI scanning in addition to mammography. For those where, where there's not a family history, um, the the um, the members the women we're trying to prioritize are are those who have had a previous mammogram and and while no cancer was detected there was a desire to have the woman come back earlier than two years and, and for instance come back at one year because of of something that needed closer follow up. Um, uh, women are to start uh, mammographic screening at the age of 50. We want to capture new women coming into the system. Uh, the risk for those women may be higher than those women who have had a normal mammogram and they're due for their two-year renewal. For colon cancer, really importantly, because it's not just the poop test, which you can do at home and there's issues with the lab and so forth, but a positive poop test leads to a colonoscopy. And, and there will be, there are backlogs related to colonoscopy. What we really want to do there is, um, if there's no family history and it's, you're, you're an average member of the community without 
special risk factors for colon cancer, we don't want you going for a colonoscopy as a screening test. We want you to have the poop test. It's just as good in terms of detecting the cancer, and should the test be positive, then you need a colonoscopy, and that would then be a very high priority. But the vast majority of people will end up with a normal test, won't need a colonoscopy, and we can preserve the colonoscopy for, uh, uh, for other patients. So the highest priority will be those patients with, with clear symptoms that suggest there's a problem, those with a positive poop test. In the middle priority will be people that have had a previous polyp and they need a follow-up test. Um, maybe that can the interval between the last test and the next test can be extended so we can address the backlog. And, and the lowest priority, the, the, the patients we really want to avoid, is directing those with, without a risk factor to have the poop test, not the colonoscopy. So that's kind of an example of how we're, we're um, tiering the approach to ensure that um, we're providing the service to the people who need it most. And, and that process is coordinated across the region so that the policies we're looking at in Hamilton, Niagara, Burlington, Brantford, Norfolk, they're, they're all through our, our processes, and the policies are aligned no matter which place you go. And, and I guess I'm getting kind of lost in the message here because we've been inundated with COVID, and, and it's understandable, certainly, with what we've seen happen on a global basis here. Uh, is, is the message that you've been consistent with and everybody else in, the, in oncology has been, and that's early detection. Uh, I mean, we, we may have ourselves forgotten all about this. Oh, yeah, I should actually get that test done uh, because we've been so wrapped up and, and, and fixated on, on COVID. But early detection is still the key when it comes to cancer, isn't it? It is. Uh, and and you're, you're right. There's mixed messages for sometimes deliberate reasons and sometimes reasons where we just need to clarify our message. We clearly gave a message in the spring that we're delaying screening. Please delay screening. There was a concern of what was observed in New York City and Italy, and we have to ramp down the community. As we got into June, July, we really wanted to get the message out that you need to have early detection, exactly what you're saying. The places to come are safe, and, and, and we're ramping up. And, and uh, a considerable ramp-up did occur, and, and we're pleased that we were able to do that. We're now into a period, you know, with the provincial lockdown coming again where um, – we're, we're, our message is going to end up being more so like it was in the spring again, where we're reacting to the threats of COVID, and we have to be responsible in multiple ways, keeping um, patients safe by by uh, abiding by the lockdown. And, and quite honestly, as, you, as you're hearing probably from other stories, we're having to look at how we best, um, how, how our staff can best serve the population uh, across the entire healthcare system as, as uh, COVID becomes more important and, and some staff get uh, placed into roles that aren't their normal roles, but, but they're necessary because mm -hmm. of what we're facing with COVID. So you're right, it, 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 it is, um, there's trade-offs and balances that we have to go through. It does lead to messages that do change over time and hopefully for logical and deliberate reasons as opposed to creating confusion because we're not messaging uh, uh, carefully. I, I think right now we're on the cusp of, of um, having to change our message that screening uh, un it will be less of a priority for the next couple of months. But if you have a problem, if you feel a lump, 
if you, you have bleeding that's unexplained, uh, if you, um, uh, you know, have a change in bowel habits, if prolonged pain or unexplained fatigue, um, don't dismiss your problems. Um, they should be attended to, and as, as necessary, the system can accommodate that. The exactly. screening's probably going to be attenuated uh, over the next um, uh, two months as, as, as we prepare for what's ahead of us. Kind of one marker of that bill is, um, you know, we have, we've talked about it previously, and uh, some of my colleagues spoke with you about our mobile coach mm-hmm. uh, that has the mammogram machines on it. We do pap smears, etc. We, we took the coach off the road last week because of, of the, uh, the sense of risks that could occur to people sure. in the community, and, and we'll look to be bringing it back on the road when it looks to be safer. Doctor, uh, thank you so much for this. Our time is uh, tight right now, but I, I'm glad you were able to come on and, and bring this back, and uh, hopefully it's going to be on people's consciousness again because they, they, we have to remain vigilant about that. Thank you again so much for this, and thank you for the great work that you and your staff are doing uh, every day in the community uh, to, to fight this dreaded disease. Uh, and by the way, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thanks, Bill. I really appreciate the opportunity, and, and best wishes to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Ralph Meyer, of course, from uh, McMaster University Department of Oncology. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.